Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we uh, take a look at uh, uh, Major League Baseball, at some trends that have been there with the number of weeks that we're getting into the season, uh, you know, we played uh, Deal or No Deal last week, looking at more situational uh, and teams and, and starts and the way that uh, the way that uh, goes. Uh, here, we're going to look at uh, surprising trends uh, from individual players: uh, hot starts, cold starts. Uh, what are you buying? Uh, what are you not? Uh, we'll have a fun game that we'll play with uh, with that to uh, take a look at the National League this week. We will do American League next week, looking at those same uh, uh, same topics from the American League. Uh, and uh, also getting an, an update. There might be, whether it's next week or the week after, then we'll do a full uh, division-by-division update of where things stand as we as we begin uh, and see what uh, what is emerging after about the first... Oh, almost two months by that mm-hmm. point. Uh, we'll be start. We'll be finally getting stretched out. Uh, using full uh, starter speak for that, the full season will be getting stretched out, and we'll see where things stand. So before we dive into the National League, uh, uh, looking at uh, some of those uh, hot uh, hot streaks, cold streaks, and, and above for players, uh, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. We talked about last time. Uh, that there were, uh, there was uh, a new uh, new recipe. Again, we talk about uh, uh, in, in uh, pitchers. They all of a sudden come up with a new uh, new pitch they've been developing, working on, and trying it out. And so from the uh, from the wagon, there was a, a new concoction that was put together in Corey's lab. How did that go in its opening weekend? Well, I had a little bit left over. I think I made ten bags or nine bags, and I had a little left over for people. It came up and said, oh, maple syrup, I want to, can I try some? So I actually had it. Usually we don't have sample bags. I try to package it all up. So we had a sample bag, though, and everybody that tried it said that it tasted good. It was a little more mellow than they were expecting with the caramel corn, but all nine bags sold out. I don't think we're probably going to do it every week, more like probably once a month, and we'll make nine, ten bags and make it kind of a special thing. So yeah, it worked, and people that tried it, I haven't had anybody complain yet, so that's a good sign. <laughs> Now you're even uh, by the time that one comes back around, you have uh, like anyone when they try a new recipe by and large, there's always little things they'll tweak along the way. So you already have tweaks planned uh, for uh, uh, for this one. Yeah. So the one problem I had is that you have to cook essentially the maple syrup, and it gets a little. It just makes it kind of soggy, and I don't want after after a little while. Yeah, after a few days, it got kind of soggy. You want that crunch when you eat popcorn. So I'm we have maple sugar too. And maybe try it and see if I can coat it with more sugar as opposed to to liquid, just to keep it a little drier and see if I can keep that crunchy t- texture we want. And that's one of those we end up learning uh, uh, within it. Sometimes there's uh, bags or things that you need to eat more right away versus mm-hmm. waiting on. This may end up being that that special. Where this way here, it's the to have the the here and now. Uh, we'll we'll see what uh, keeps uh, what what the lab uh, comes up with here uh, as we move forward. Also, got to move into that. I got to try some jalapenos soon too. Yeah, so that's that's coming up in the next probably two three weeks here. This this podcast is obviously very intrigued by that because I'll uh, I'll have to work on my part, do my fun marketing to get the nice uh, uh, heater uh, 
uh, stickers to go mm-hmm. on, on everything for that. That'll be called the uh, the heater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have uh, that with the logo from the, the podcast on it and have our own uh, cross-promotion. Uh, we think of different uh, TV shows that all of a sudden do their, their crosses, uh, crossing together. Uh, so now we'll have to put both of those, uh, both those uh, going together on it. So we'll see how that comes in the next couple of weeks as well. Well, if that's the heater, let's talk some hot baseball players or it. some cold baseball players. So, so uh, to preface this, as you told me the the, the idea for for this week's show, uh, what immediately went to mind uh, for me was the uh, the old grade school uh, game of hot or not. Uh, and so we'll uh, take a look at this from those who've gotten off to uh, uh, to hot streaks, cold streaks within it, and then again say uh, hot being either you think they're going to stay hot or get hot uh, or not being. The opposite. So uh, I'll have my uh, my uh, answer ready to roll. Let's do this. NL East, NL Central, NL West. Let's do it. Which one do you want first? Let's go East. East. I'm going top to bottom here. So the New York Mets are tracking to be in the lead in the New York or in the NL East. And I could have went with a hot player. I could have went with a cold player. But I went with a hot player. Who needs Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer when you have Tyler McGill, right? Who needs those guys when you have Tyler McGill? 33 innings, 4-1 and one right now, a 243 ERA. 36 strikeouts, .90 whip. And my favorite my favorite stat is now ERA plus or OPS plus for hitters or ERA plus for pitchers. Let me remind you. What is that? Scaled to 100, 100 being league average. Anything above 100, you're playing above your above average. And if you're playing below 100, you're hurting your team actively. And Tyler McGill's at 157 ERA plus right now. Now, slightly lower BABIP than Tickle at 238. He's only given up two home runs overall. But if you go to the StatCast page, it fully supports this. The XERA is still in the mid-twos. Where are we at? Tyler McGill, hot or not? Does it continue? I My my side point as we talk about the, the, the new age stats, and here's another one that comes together, is you try to find more of a true test. Is something a fluke? Is it not? What are the, uh, I always call it, what's under the hood? Uh, and uh, you mentioned StatCast has really come around as the, the big one because it shows the expected. Uh, based on these peripherals, based on these numbers, this is what, uh, what by and large, that looks like. And now how, are, how is your performance now matching that? Are you above or below it? I like StatCast for that reason. I still always go to the, the tried-and-true fan graphs for the uh, XFIP. Uh, that's my one that uh, helps me to determine on my end what I like as far as if you take away defense, if you take away park, uh, what is what is the true pitching talent level doing? And so I looked at that one too for for McGill as soon as you mentioned his name. Uh, and if uh, if you look at uh, they're now starting to put X ERA uh, to mm-hmm. that too. I like that. But you have an ERA of two point four three, an X ERA of two point seven one, an X FIP of two point seven four. Hot. Uh, mm-hmm. It is it is uh, it is real stats. It is real numbers within it. Uh, there was. Uh, he has benefited from a, uh, a fastball that has added some uh, some oomph to it, uh, and that has been seen. He is not uh, walking guys crazy. In fact, he's actually the, the lowest he's been uh, with his, and it wasn't bad before. He was at 2.71, now he's at 2.16. Uh, he was hit by the, and tell me where you've heard this before, a pitcher being hit by the, the homer bug. Did we not talk about that with Corbin Burns and saying that's going to change? He was at 1.91 last year. Uh, for the uh, homers per nine, uh, that's that's a bit obscene. Uh, slightly unlucky, slightly unlucky there. Now is he getting lucky now at zero point five four? Certainly, uh, a little a little bit that way. So he's gone from one end to the other, but he's got a strikeout per nine. The, the the swing and miss stuff is there. The control is there. He's keeping it in the park. Those are all the good things, and he's doing this uh, with stuff and not with fluke. Uh, everyone is focused on 
uh, DeGrom and Scherzer, McGill is the consistent uh, pitcher behind it. I'm, I'm, uh, you had me as a hat tipping an assist on the, uh, as much uh, uh, crap as I like to give about uh, uh, being a, uh, uh, a lucky tier above uh, for my fantasy uh, luck whenever we, we go head-to-head. Uh, but the fantasy assist, when I was looking at uh, before the season began, what's a nice pitcher to add? I felt I was a little weak in that area and looking at what was there. You were the one who mentioned Tyler McGill was someone uh, to uh, to look at. And sure enough, he has been everything uh, that the Mets would have hoped for, any fantasy owner would have hoped for. Uh, and that is here to stay. I'm definitely buying him. Yeah, I, I agree on that one. I think McGill's a stay in. If they ever do get DeGrom back, it's Scherzer, it's DeGrom, it's McGill, Chris Bassett. I could have put Chris Bassett on here for hot. And Carrasco looks returned. Like, other than the fact they're all right-handed, the Mets rotation looks really strong right now. Even Taiwan Walker then makes your sixth starter. Mets, they're at top now, and they're they're looking pretty strong. Let's go to the second team in the NL East. Miami Marlins. So this guy was a little better last year, but he seems to have taken another step, and that's Jazz Chisholm. After last year, I said – Chisholm's ideal outcome is probably Javier Baez, right? Some of those years we saw because he struck out so much. But last year it was 28%. This year it's 24 Doesn't sound like much, but that's a big difference. And everything else, he looks as spectacular as ever. He's had 16 runs, five homers, already 21 RBIs, six deals, and a 310 average with a 180 OPS plus, which I said, really, really strong. All of that, so I supported by – so you mentioned StatCast, right? Here's my, here's my feelings on StatCast. If you're having a good year and it says you're having a good year, fine. Then you're doing what you're supposed to. I like it when you're having a bad year, but the StatCast says you should be doing good or vice versa. That's, that's, that's where I care low. more yep. about it. So all of what he's doing is fully supported. He's in the top 10% in barrel rate, slugging, sprint speed. The one difference I see is last year he couldn't hit anything off speed or breaking. He hit 187 on breaking balls, 228 on off speed pitches, basically swinging and missing 40% of the time. This year he's hitting 351 on breaking pitches, 364 on off speed on off speed pitches, and whiffing much less on both of them. So, is this just a true hot streak from Jazz Chisholm, and he's going to start striking out more, or is this this is who we're going to expect now? This is a 2020 type of player easily with a 300 average. When you watched him last year, again, I'm going to make another connection to this. You can see the young guys, you look, and you're going to see that athleticism. You can see that the, the, they call it toolsy. Uh, just the way that it's they... Like the de- the, he's like the definition swing, of toolsy. When, when just the swing, you can see, like, if, if you if you figure this out, dude, that swing can hit a lot of things. The, you have the, the quick wrist is always what you look for. It doesn't always... I, Early on, it doesn't always match the results, but you can see the, the the intangibles. You can see the pieces there. It's a matter of putting it all together. Comparison right now with it, Julio Rodriguez. You watch him. You watch him at the plate, and holy crap. Again, yes, he doesn't always have it. He still has swing and miss or stuff there, but you can tell uh, he can hit anything. It's a matter of putting it all together. Julio Rodriguez reminds me, and I, I'm not trying to blow smoke on this one, a young Barry Bonds. Yep. He has yeah. a, a young Barry Bonds with that. Someone who has that speed for days. Again, those quick wrists. You see the way he can swing at it. Uh, in some ways, Jazz Chisholm, uh, his, what I want to say, the floor of his ceiling, kind of putting those two together, <laughs> the floor of his ceiling is is Javier Baez. Yep. Because if you don't fully get that, full, that, that swing that likes to swing at everything, if that doesn't work well for you, that's Javi Baez, which means you'll have a, a pretty solid average, no on-base percentage, but that uh, that 2020 possibility. Is that Jazz Chisholm? Yeah, it is. What he's showing right now is there's a chance for more than that, uh, and that's very intriguing. Uh, so, number one, I'm buying his ceiling floor. 
uh, and very curious to see what the rest of it would be. He's the one guy I'm kicking myself that I didn't pick up earlier. Yeah, I, I said I had I had doubts. I don't know if I ever have Jazz Chisholm on like any fantasy teams or anything, but he, he looks this, – this is the ideal outcome for Jazz Chisholm here, where he doesn't strike out as much, and then, like you said, the – all the tools in the world that guy has. And if it starts to come together, we could see a real star here. He's got that flair that's fun to watch. Well, it's, the, pl- it's the cool hair. Those, he loves the game, yeah. right? Yep. All that. I mean, he already has the, the added stuff just about him. Uh, but then also, again, you watch the way he plays. Again, there's different guys that you say is worth the price of admission. He's that's one another, of those guys. That's another one that Major League Baseball is wasting their marketing ability. Him, Fernando Tatis, they should be in a million commercials. But they're not because, well, they're not good at that. As we move down, okay, now we get from a, those two teams I think are overperforming where we thought. So then we hit a team that's the defending World Series champion, but they're not playing all that good right now, so we're going to go with a cold player here. How about Charlie Morton? Uh, they need their 38-year-old pitcher to pitch like he did last year, and so far it's not happening. He had a nice start against the Brewers yesterday, but so far 28 innings, 2-3, and three, 565 ERA, 23 strikeouts, a 160 whip. A 74 ERA plus, so below league average. He is walking more batters per nine innings right now than ever, and the strikeouts are his least since he was in Pittsburgh. Do you remember? It's a long time ago since he's been in Pittsburgh, but... And he's a far different pitcher from Yes, he is. He's not really giving up the home runs, but the ground ball rate, a career low 36%, so that's not a great sign. You want to keep the ball on the ground, and he just seems to be generally getting hit harder than ever before. I, you know, Anybody who's 38 years old is is in danger of just dropping off. We're going to get to another one in the NL East here pretty soon who is also an advanced agent. Looks like there might be drop-off, but what do we think? Charlie Morton, done or, or hot or not? I'll let uh, the illustrious Scott White uh, talk a little bit here on on this one, uh, the CBS uh, fantasy guru. Um, I, I saw this and I took a screenshot of it because I, I've i been wrestling with, I have him on, on my team, is, is it time to bail? Uh, and there's different players. Anyone who's uh, into fantasy baseball, you get to that point. Like, is your your this is the worry stage, and this is the overreaction stage uh, within it. So either you're right and you get out ahead of it, or you're wrong and someone else reaps the rewards uh, of your your cut. Uh, here is the point that he made, and has made me hold back uh, on Charlie because right now all the numbers, none of them support him. All right, there's now. I guess I that's a little bit of an overstatement because if you look at the peripherals. Everything's about the same. It's just a matter of, like, they're hitting it harder. And so the question is, well, if the stuff hasn't dropped, uh, per se, the control hasn't quite been there. That's different right now. Uh, the control is uncharacteristic, but the stuff has still been there. He hasn't he hasn't lost miles per hour on his fastball or anything that way. He's he's about the same. So why are they hitting it harder is, is the true question. Here is the, the reality check from Scott White. Here's the tweet that he, he posted saying, reminder that Charlie Morton allowed 28 runs in his first 39 innings last year. He's still at a 4.5 ERA on June 16th. Baseball season is long. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> so you can sit him until he comes around if you want, but don't act like this is your first year playing. Uh, so that was the the mic drop from, uh, from Scott White when it comes to Charlie Morton. Uh, he's still going to get hot. Uh, I don't think he's dropped off. Now, eventually, if you get to another... If you have another name coming from a lower team on the NL East, I have a different opinion, so I'll hold off on saying it. We'll get to him. Okay, so we'll then, uh, that, that already tells me because I, I have I have a different opinion okay. on that uh, father time issue versus this one. I think Charlie Morton's going to be just fine. If you have him, and I, like this last week, which, by the way, anyone who had him, you're welcome because anytime I don't start a pitcher or forget to start a pitcher, they usually have a scoreless outing. Uh, I've had at least – this is now my third one. I, did he go scoreless for the five? 
Yes. Yes, he did. That's now three. The three <laughs> that I've dropped, two were seven uh, scoreless innings. Uh, Mike, uh, Michaelis, Pablo Lopez. It was it was a miss. It wasn't trying to. You should start Pablo uh, Lopez anywhere right yeah, now. Yeah, that was just a, a miss on my lineup. Uh, and then now Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton was intentional. Uh, all three guys, scoreless when I, when I don't start uh, with it. But hold them back. Put them on your bench if you're not confident or you're worried about start to start until he gets uh, gets going. But I wouldn't drop him. If someone else dropped him, go pick him up. I like it. The Phillies, the team that we both predicted to win the NL East, are currently in fourth. The offense has been a little slow. I was going to put Schwarber on here, but the last week I think he's hitting 310 and he's got a couple of home runs, so it's not Schwarber. But Reese Hoskins, pretty cold. Alec Baum is crushing it. I could have went with him as a hot hitter because he's been surprisingly great this year. He hasn't had the power yet. If he gets that going, the, the contact bat is there. It's the other stuff coming around that will see whether or not he really takes off. I went with Hoskins as a slow starter, though. So 12 runs, two homers, nine RBIs, a 189 batting average, 87 OPS plus. So I have Reese Hoskins on multiple teams because I said, go back, I said, I think he's Pete Alonzo, I think he's Matt Olson, and it's not looking great so far, but still a really strong walk percentage, which he's he's led baseball in walks before, or at least the National League. Striking out a little high, career high, 29%. That's that's up there. But when it comes to StatCast, I said, I'm always lukewarm except in cases like this. So he's currently, you know, top 3% average exit velocity, career high hard hit rate, it's just not getting the results. Uh, the expected batting average on StatCast is 248. I think he's at, as I said, he's 189. 248. If you tell me he hits 248, I still think he's very good. So I know where I sit on this one. He's, Should I be worried? Uh, so you have uh, uh, shout out to Crash Davis uh, for uh, nice. th- three years of 247 batting average with it. This is about as close as you can get. He's 245, 247. Uh, he had a 246 a couple years ago within it. Uh, so that's been he's establishing norms, and if the expected stats are saying that's where he should be, that's already a, a positive to it. I'm looking at the uh, uh, WOBA uh, and expected mm-hmm. for that. He's currently at 290. He should be at 354. That's yeah. a, a significant <laughs> difference uh, right there uh, alone. Uh, his. Uh, BABIP is just a little bit low, but he's not going too too much under it. You have the other numbers you listed. Uh, if you are fine with, uh, again, uh, 240, uh, 245 to 250 average, along with the uh, the walk percentage, again, that is still good. He's always been in the uh, 10 to 15% range consistently, even a little bit higher than that. He's at 12.7 right now. All the other stats are there. If you're especially, and I always I'm doing the fantasy stuff uh, as part you're of this. You're doing it great too. Uh, but the uh, if you're in an OBP league, you 100% want him. Uh, the the average is not at the 240 range. I, I don't know what the league average is right now, uh, but he's not uh, too far below. He's not going to harm you there, and he is going to very much help you in OBP. And again, what's the problem right now in Major League Baseball? Power. Uh, if you need power. There's no reason to – he's at two right now. That's not going to be him, not with the exit velocity numbers being what it is. Can you see – What's the? is there a launch angle issue going on or – I don't know. I pulled up the batting average for the league. I didn't pull up the launch angle. I can check okay. the launch angle in a second. I want you to guess what the, what the league-wide batting average is here. I want to say 245. Lower. Wow. 232. Wow. That's – uh, I mean, we're at – Earlier games this year, in. we're like a fifth we're, of the year. In. We're at Joey Gallo range uh, for for Good Joey uh, Gallo. <laughs> uh, we'll get to him next week, possibly, nah, nah, nah. unless this next week goes well for him. So, wow. 
so you have that's that's not good. Uh, but also, I just a side note again. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not trying to be a homer with the stuff that I point out or things with it. But it just makes me think. The the Rays always do the opposite of whatever is going on, right? That that's been the the the, the habit, and we'll talk AL next week. But they have now assembled a a more contact oriented team, uh, where they're batting uh, much different. Uh, it's a team they are that. at two forty five, but that's one two three four five sixth in the league right now. So already there, so that again, I, I just laugh at that because no matter what the thing is, even here because they were they were a power team before. They've they've slowly been transforming their offense to be different, and again, usually because what is the rest of the league doing? So that's just that's just a note that that stood out to me on that part. But uh, okay, again, for that here. point, Reese Hoskins, the, keep him. Yes, I agree with that. I I'm very much on Reese Hoskins. While I'm on this page, the Arizona Diamondbacks team batting average is 193. That is wow. That is pathetic. Sorry. Sadly, <laughs> that's not even that lower than like, it's, it's a 40 point difference, which is significant, yeah. but. That's not as it's that's terrible, but not as terrible as it's been. It again, been in past years, I mean, do you realize how much different? Like, I, I don't know. Like, those that are especially good at, at fantasy baseball, they're gonna have fun next year. You really are because you're gonna separate yourself from uh, from the others because you are gonna have to factor in uh, how much of a difference is there going to be uh, when we no longer have the shift. Uh, and there's True. players that you can target that you can very much expect that will do better in that regard. And those that understand this will find them, and you'll see that. Uh, and so I'll be interested to see what what happens uh, in, in that regard because that average is so terrible. It's like I said, I used to be I was mad at anyone trying to like ban the ship, hit it where they ain't was was my approach to it. I now understand how this is not good for the game. Uh, and I also appreciate it. You know, there's a defensive three-second violation in the NBA. There's positioning things where there's uh, penalties uh, for that. So this is not unprecedented, and it will be. It just will be better for the game as long as they. I know we're talking about something else, but here's soapbox moment for this. Go for it. Why is the MLB so determined to screw with their product? in a non-transparent way. Why are there so many issues with the ball? Why? This should be made the exact same way, and if you're making changes, it should be announced as to what the changes are, and then it's consistent. When you're now hearing rumors that are growing louder, that you are picking different balls for primetime games because they will travel better, if you are at that level of doing that, that is BS at the highest level. That is cheating at the highest level. If you're going to go after people with trash can crap, if, if Manfred is responsible for that and that comes out, that's a resigning moment. You can't screw with the integrity of the game that way. There, we've been consistent across the board of here's stiff penalties when you do that. How is this not going after the integrity of the game or putting the integrity of the game in question when you are giving different balls that will travel differently to different games? I, there needs to be, to me, the easiest way to take care of this you never should have bought Rawlings. You never should have been allowed to buy Rawlings. It is a massive competitive issue as far as allowing you to go into the inner workings of things that you shouldn't be able to do. There should be a separate non-baseball entity that is in charge of those baseballs that then hand them to them, and they can also show the transparent process of what they did to them. Uh, this is a problem that, again, because baseball doesn't market at all, uh, then no one is really knowing much about this except for those that are hardcore baseball fans hearing some about it. This is being buried at this point. This isn't full national fervor. It should be. 
Uh, players are players. One hundred percent are talking about this. Pitchers are one hundred percent talking about this. How is this any different than steroids or anything else we've been to? Corked bats, all the above. This is garbage, and it needs to change fast. Because at least we could have made the argument when it came to the humidor effect. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But when you when you can't even trust the integrity of the ball itself, there's a problem. Yes, sir. Yeah, you are. Soapbox. Soapbox. Moment ended. We can get back to hot or not. <laughs> okay. Uh, you mentioned on Reese Hoskins' launch angle, 19 is his, his lowest ever. That's that's still really good. That's good enough to hit home runs. He has a career high hard hit rate, and everything looks good there. I would not be too concerned about Reese Hoskins. That's somebody to go by. As you already mentioned, we both know who the Nationals player is going to be here, and it is Nelson Cruz. Obviously, this one is concerning because maybe he's not robotic. Maybe he is a real human being. He is going to turn 42 July 1st. He's had 13 runs, three homers, 14 RBIs. That's that's not bad for this day and age, but the 157 batting average, the 50 OPS plus, meaning he is basically way below league average right now and still walking at roughly his usual percent, striking out at his lowest rate actually since 2009. So it's not the contact. This is a player, though, like you mentioned, Stackhouse. You looked at it in past years, and it's just right across the board because he hits everything hard. And right now it's kind of neutral, just kind of neutral all across the board. He has an absurdly low 169 BABIP when his next lowest was 264. And, you know, he's routinely usually around 300. His next lowest was 264, but it's usually around 300 because when he hits the ball, he hits it hard, but it's not happening right now. Now, I think 169 goes up. I don't think he's a 157 player, but this is also not the same Nelson Cruz. This is a different Nelson Cruz. I just don't think it's this bad. Everyone else I've been saying hot. Uh, this one is a definite not. Uh, and, and here's another reason why. If you look at him career-wise, he's always been a first-half strong player versus second half. Second half has trailed off a little bit, especially as he's gotten older. You know, eventually those nicks and, and uh, cuts and bruises it can, can impact things, uh, especially to try to do the, the, the hardest thing to do in any professional sport, hit a baseball. Uh, this guy is usually a 300 average guy. Uh, he's not an all-or-nothing power guy. Uh, and with that average being that low, yeah, some of that's unlucky. Uh, but if, if he's not hot to start and his career says he usually tapers off in the second half, that doesn't bode well. Uh, and at some point, uh, you, you can't keep doing this thing at an elite level at, at this age. Uh, because, again, this, there's nothing they can do to make it better for you. They can't make it where, uh, like with quarterbacks that you can't be touched. Uh, and this way you can play into your mid-40s because you're not being hit as hard. Within it. That allows uh, Tom Brady's uh, to uh, li- you know to be the next George Blanda. Uh, there's a throwback name for you. Nice uh, to uh, uh, to be that good for that long, which is not what Blanda was. He just hung around <laughs> for a long time. But uh, for to play at that level, they changed the rules that made that possible. There's no rule to change that's going to help Nelson Cruz do the hardest thing to do in professional sports. I think that time has finally come. Uh, I would not be, and I I have dropped him uh, myself. I don't, which means you probably should pick him up. You know, that's usually, <laughs> that, that can be a good, good foreboding warning there. But there's nothing to say why this is going to go up significantly enough. And especially for what Washington invested, looking at it on the field, uh, Josh Bell, home run. Like, that guy is having a career year uh, in his uh, uh, walk season. Uh, he is providing coverage to, to Juan Soto, which Juan Soto's never had, right? If Juan Soto's hitting second, you have Bell hitting third. That's exactly what Soto needs, which also he'll get back going on things. He hasn't been himself yet. Uh, Bell's been very good. 
Cruz is not going to f- fill the rest of that that lineup there. 225, maybe at, at best 250 hitter. Does he crack 20 home runs? Maybe. Uh, I, I'm not expecting more of that. You. Yeah. 2012, we thought he's 31, maybe he's starting to slow down. 24 homer or 86 runs, 24 homers, 90 RBIs, 260. Can he still do that? I'm not buying the 260. I don't buy the 260. Not with where he's at now. He could hit uh-huh. 260 from this point forward, but that's only going to get you back to like 210. Can he still uh, get think- to 24 home runs? We're at three. All it takes is one good month. Yeah. Uh, could he potentially do that? The strikeout rate isn't terrible. Uh, so there's enough work. Could he? Yes. I'm not buying it, but could he? Yes. Yeah. I, if I'm ranking these guys, and I have way more concerns about Nelson Cruz than Reese Hoskins and Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's next. I have almost no concerns about Reese Hoskins. So, yeah. I, Nelson Cruz is someone, if I'll give him a couple weeks before, I have him on a few multiple teams too, and a couple weeks, and then I would drop him as well because it's hard to play a guy who's DH only and he's not hitting. Like that's the that, spot where you're supposed to be able it. to fill it in. Like you want that uh, near 300 average, yes. uh, 30 home runs, 100 RBI. That that's the reason why you, you you put him on a spot, and that's also what Washington wanted. Uh, and you have uh, again right idea. And many people said that it was the the trop effect as far as impacting his second half last year. And there's definite truth to that. Just look at Road Willie uh, for the we'll Brewers. So so you have that right. element too. It's it's father time. Seems to be coming up with a guy who's had a massive second half of his career. Uh, didn't get a chance to really have that first half and made up for it uh, in, in a hurry. I think it might uh, uh, might be coming to a close for Nelson Cruz. Well, you already started transitioning us to the NL Central. So the Brewers are on top of the NL Central. And I have Willie Adamas down, but we've talked Willie Adamas before on here. I had Eric Lauer down, but we talked about Eric Lauer last week, last week and he looked great again. I don't know if we've ever really talked about Rowdy Telez. The Brewers are second in runs scored, so I did have some options here. Mm-hmm. But Telez, he really needs some mentioning. He has 15 runs, seven home runs, 24 RBIs, hitting 258 with a 152 OPS plus. Your NL player of the week. Yeah, and he was actually like a foot away from two more RBIs in a second grand slam in a single game. But the question with Telez was never could he hit. It was, okay, is this body shape going to work? And he's blocking this guy who is an all-world prospect in time. Toronto and they went with Vlad Jr. And I don't blame him. I would probably take Vlad Jr. too. But right now he's really doing his best Vlad Jr. impression. Top one percentile in expected Wolba and expected sloving. Top ten percent in max exit velocity and barrel rate. You know, if anything, it actually says he's unlucky. The stack says he's unlucky right now. Yes, I was just gonna say his uh, WOBA is three eighty four. Expected is four fifty eight. Yeah. He's uh, so he's stud. he's already been good. This says he should be at, at an elite level. That's what his his uh, performance to this point sh- uh, should be. There's uh, anyone who's been around baseball long enough uh, knows that uh, what is the magical age season in Major League Baseball? 27-28. And what is his uh, age right now? I'm going to guess 28. Am I right? Uh, 27. Oh, I'm so close. So that, uh, that age 27 season... Uh, is that uh, the peak year, the career year, when it happens, by and large. And it's been that way for a number of years. So when I hear these things, first thing I, I go and look at is what's his age. And sure enough, he's in that season. So uh, some of that's superstition, some of it's fact. You, you blend between the two. Uh, but f- those added reasons uh, are reasons why to buy. Uh, I, I'm buying the hot. Uh, all, the, all the advanced numbers say it. Uh, he's looked good within it. It's been a matter of, again, opportunity and a lot of these dh types do 
age later uh, as far as getting to their, their peak seasons. It's been that way often. Not not always. There's exceptions to every rule. Uh, but for him, he's never played more than 111 games in his career. That's going uh, to change. And, and that's already, when you look at where he's where he's at, even with uh, last year, it was only partly with uh, the Brewers for that point. And so they did platoon at the beginning. Here's a guy that's now beating the platoon with playing time and now going to earn more of that as a result. Now, I, I have not looked at his uh, uh, his splits, so maybe you can tell me. I'm getting ready to pull that up myself here within it. But he had always been used that way. Uh, and right now, batting average does not look good for lefties, but there's other that's stuff that's just there. this year. But, like, for his career versus a lefty, he has a two ninety five batting average. Okay. Like, maybe I missed a... Uh, well, wrong on, perception. Like, like he's fine, and they sent Keston here back to the minors. Rowdy Telez is going to play every day that he possibly can for a while. Like he might sit once a week, but he's going to get 130 games barring injury in there. And and I think this one's real too. I think I think Rowdy Telez is you know top 10 first baseman in the game right now. Like at least he's showing it. And until I see something otherwise, I have no reason to doubt this one. Uh, he's he is having a heck of a start uh, to his his year and getting that. That opportunity, again, when uh, uh, opportunity meets peak age uh, and uh, then the re- early season results, that's what you look for because you need you need someone that's going to say, okay, you're doing well, we're going to give you all the at-bats that we can, and that allows you to take off. He has every opportunity right now to finish top 10 as a Breaking first Breaking news. He just had a two-RBI double as we're sitting here. There you go. There we go. <laughs> uh, St. Louis, we'll talk about another guy who – this is the exact same profile as Jazz Chisholm that I really struggle with. And this is what happens when it goes the other way. So Tyler O'Neill looked kind of like Jazz Chisholm last year in that he strikes out a lot, but he's got a bunch of tools. Well, this is what happens in the other way. So even last year in his awesome breakout season for the Cardinals, he struck out 31% of the time. This year, that's actually down to 27%, which is still really not that good, but it's better than 31%. The rest of his stats look bad so far he still has his 14 runs the two homers the 19 ribbies three steals so he's still compiling stats but the 206 batting average the 82 ops plus the stat cast stuff says it's better probably than it is he just isn't hitting it as well last year here's my thing with tyler o'neill would you be surprised if last year ends up being the best year of his career no, not from a, a contact standpoint. This was a guy, it looked like he was turning a corner last year because he had been a massive, like, 35K uh, percentage uh, with a, a massive, like, Joey Gallo-esque uh, strikeout rate. Then all of a sudden he hits 284. Like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, but then now all of a sudden when you have, when it's not showing it right away, which am I buying, every other year of his career or am I buying uh, last year? Uh, the easy answer is to say last year's his peak. And he's not as bad as this year, right? Yep, he's, correct. he's not going to hit 206. He's never I would be shocked if he ever touches 286 again. But I'd be shocked if he if he hits 250 again. That, okay, that's what I was about to say. Like, could he do a he's already got the two home runs. I trust all the power. The power's there. When he makes contact, he's very good with it. So, like, is he a 20 homer, 20 steal, 240 hitter? That that he can be. Can he be a 34 homer, 15 steal, 280 hitter like last year? I would be utterly shocked if he does that again. This is, I said, this is the bad version of when Jazz Chisholm doesn't make contact. And mm. it, Tyler O'Neill is never going to be a player that I like. I will say that. I, I'm fine with him performing on, on someone else's team. Uh, now, can he still produce power numbers? How about this? Yes. How about this comparison? Is 
Tyler O'Neill and Randy Orozarena. Because I think they're very similar. And that's your team. I know that, that's, that's your guy, that's man. But I'm not a fan there. What? Uh, and the, as much as I may be a fan, this is, the stats do not support what he has done in his major league career to this point, which is just a season and a third, right? It hasn't been that uh, that long. Uh, he was never going to do what he did in, in October uh, in, in his rookie year. Last year, still, the, the contact was more than with the swing and miss in his game. Uh, he had a better con- uh, better average than anticipated. 274 he hit last year. Now that might be changing. And so that, that would be a great one for next week uh, yeah. to bring up with then to see uh, who who is he uh, and can he still be, even if, even if it changes, is he still a productive player? Is he still a, a good, uh, is he a foundational piece, which is what the Rays are hoping for? We'll save that for next week. That's but right. as far as O'Neill goes, is he still one of those type of pieces for the Cardinals? Uh, you know they have uh, uh, their their veterans. They have Goldsmith. They have Arenado. These are the guys that they're banking on. But you needed one of these players to step up to really change that offense. Can he still be a let's say two twenty five uh, average thirty five homer uh, a player? Uh, can he? Yeah. Can he? And if that is that's that is productive, uh, especially when uh, batting average is down the board the way it is. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, from an outfielder perspective, again, how many more outfielders are there that you feel confident in getting over 35 home runs? Outfield drops off in a hurry this year. Yes, like, it does. It is, it's deep, but it is not deep with very many like good players. And yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, so I think when you when you once you start putting it again, because you look individually, then you have to look at the rest of the peer group and how does he balance within that? Uh, if you're when you realize that you shouldn't be, again, use today's numbers for batting average, not what's your perceived numbers in your head from what's been. So when you put that together and say, okay, here's what he does really well, how many people do it better than him? Mm. And now, now, we're, now it puts it from a fantasy perspective, one, but then also for a team, uh, he can still be a, a productive player. He, is he last year hot? No. Is he at least He's hot useful. as far as what he can be? Yeah. I, I would, would I want him on my team? Yeah. Let's move to the Pirates. They're actually in third right now. This team was kind of hard. Hold up. We're going to uh, go backwards here and now repeat that sentence again. The Pittsburgh Pirates are currently in third place <laughs> in the National League Central. There you and go. And I think they might stay there. So, it's kind of hard, though, because we didn't have a whole lot of expectations for, like, anybody on this team. And the guys, you know, Key Brian Hayes is playing well, but if there was, like, two guys on this team that I had expectations for, it was Key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. And... Brian Reynolds, it looks kind of ish-ish, but it's not bad enough for me to put him on here. So I'm going to go with someone who's playing kind of above themselves for a different level than we've ever seen. How about Ben Gamble? Yes, that Ben Gamble. So Brewers fan. As a Brewers fan, I remember Ben Gamble, but at 30 years old, he's like playing sort of Brian Reynolds-ish right now. 12 runs, two homers, 13 ribbies, two steals, batting 293 with a 139 OPS plus, batting leadoff lead off every day. And here's the shocking part. The StatCast stuff points and like paints an even prettier picture here by a lot. Like it does. he says that their expected batting average for him is 323. That's like top 3% in the league. So that's kind of Brian Reynolds where, you know, he's already got two home runs. He's got two steals. <laughs> I don't know. It's certainly interesting. Ride the wave. That's that's the advice right there from a, a fantasy perspective. Ride the wave. You can. Chances are most people don't know who he is. So that he's even there. <laughs> Let's put it this way: 
I didn't even know he was still in baseball. <laughs> it seems like he's been around for so long. It, it feel, there's a perception issue here. I, I, it feels like he's been around for like 20 years. Like, I did not think he was even still in the game. He was like the one of those random guys that did well in a platoon role for the Brewers and had a couple of peak, like, he went in spurts. All of a sudden, he could go on a heater for a week uh, for different things. With it. That's been him. I can't believe he's only 31 years old. Uh, that that is wild to me. He feels that, like he's been around for a lot longer than that. The one that got me on that the other day was actually your team. I thought Manny Margot was like thirty five by now. <laughs> I didn't know he was like twenty seven. I was watching. I was like, wow, he's only twenty seven. How long has this dude played for? So you know, put it put it stuff. put it on next week's list uh, for a Rosarina and Margot. Uh, what are you buying uh, in in that? Because there's there's a lot of fascination there too. Margot just was the uh, AL Player of the Week along with Telez. Uh, he decided to uh, completely depants the Seattle Mariners uh, over the the, the weekend. Uh, Three-run homer, grand slam, late-inning heroics uh, for, for both those walk-off uh, uh, put in it. Uh, he's getting his first chance at uh, no platoon. He's getting a chance to go completely for it. Uh, and so there's an interesting one to think, too, because right now I just looked at both my leagues. He's available. Uh, so are you, are you uh, buying what he's he's doing at, at this point? So that's the teaser for for next week. Uh, but as we look at Ben Gamel, another one of those where uh, for great job with with Pittsburgh of guys just getting a chance to shine, just do their their thing, play every day, have fun with baseball, uh, and they have some of those players that have been given a uh, here Pittsburgh better than Arizona. As far as guys that just, just give them an opportunity to see what happens. Yoshi Sutsugo, just give him a chance. Let him play every day. Don't worry about anything else. Say, you're in the lineup. You don't have to worry about not being in the lineup. Just go play. Ben Gamble, you're in the lineup. You're going to be leading off within it. You don't have to worry. Just go play. Uh, and then you have younger guys that were, again, what have they done? They haven't worried about the numbers overall to say, you're playing every day. Go play. Look at how well that has worked for them. And guys that have talent, but for other other different reasons, may not have all clicked together, or maybe they've had d- better seasons or they're coming off bad seasons. Tell me what uh, team that has not uh, had a winning record or been able to anywhere near touching a winning record that has had a better, for at least position players, a better approach than what Pittsburgh is having right now. Now, right now. We'll see... Do we expect Brian Reynolds to finish the season with them? Here's the what are you going to get when you trade Brian Reynolds? What are you going to get? Because we've seen you get schooled in these. Like, just make sure you get fair value back. But that's a talk for another day. So, we'll move to the Cubs. The Cubs we expected to be bad. One one quick note on the outside of the last thing for the the plug for for Pittsburgh. Only way I'm trading Brian Reynolds. Only way. There's only one team I'm not taking anyone else's phone calls. It's the Marlins. I want your pitching. I want your pitching. I'm not talking to anyone else. Same thing with uh, with Baltimore. If you ever think of trading Cedric Mullins, it, the only conversation better be the Marlins. They have pitching for days, even stuff that isn't even there yet. Yeah. That's a team that you're going to get a good good pitcher from because they literally can't keep them all. So if you have a player that they need, and center field has still been a need for them, you get the best pit and get two. Uh, do a, a package deal because whatever depth they have, whoever's like 10th on their list will be top two <laughs> for anyone else. That's who I'm targeting if I want young pitching. You heard it here first, Miami. Mar- uh, Kim Ong, still King Ong. And I trust you. York's are pretty good at their job. So, Chicago Cubs, very much in the rebuild. If I'd have done this a week ago, it probably would have been the heart's hot start of Seiya Suzuki. But he had an abysmal week, and he looks pretty much kind of what I thought he would do. 
So let's go on the cold side here. Kyle Hendricks. Hendricks looks pretty much lost. And 30 innings, 1-3, and three, 564 ERA, 148 whip, 23 strikeouts, a 72 ERA+. plus. Here's another one that's always been challenging for me. Hendricks has always been because he thrives on things that I don't want, like that are hard to do, which is like the smoke and mirrors, the painting the edge stuff. That's where he thrives. Now, at the top one percentile, you can do that, right? You're Zach Ranky, You can thrive on that. But I, it's very hard to believe that it was always going to last. And right now, career low ground ball rate, a career worst walks per nine isn't a good sign. He's always outpitched the stat calf stuff, so I didn't even – I looked at it, and it looks, you know, abysmal, but he's always looked not great over there, but this looks worse than ever. He was a 4.61 XFIP last year. Despite everything, he's 4.68. Yeah, so, that's but, not bad. But he was a 4.7 ERA last year. That was already an aberration from he – had, he had an ERAs of 2 and 3 every year prior to that. Then all of a sudden the jump up happens. And the, the peripheral numbers did not look good within it. What's the difference? What are we seeing? Like, again, you have a guy who junker ballers can work, but they re- they need, absolutely need one thing, and they can't live without it. You know what that is? Precision in the strike zone? Control, yeah. absolutely. If they don't have it, they will get their butts handed to them because they don't have swing and miss stuff. They can't afford to make a mistake. Huh? It'll be going 400 feet the opposite way. Uh, and so guess what's happened? He went from a uh, normally been about right around one or two, between one and a half and two, the, uh, from 2018 to 2020. His highest was 1.99. It was 1.99, 1.63, Last year, 2.19. This year, 3.56. And coincidentally, what do we see with the homer rate? From 1.54 or 1.11, which is the 0.89, to 1.54 and 1.78. So, when, again, when you can't have the control needed, you rely on precision to be a junker baller. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough's come back and looked healthy. What did he do? He's not even throwing like uh, you know, like 90 miles an hour within it. To me, I think Hendricks needs a change of scenery uh, and to go with a team that's going to help him do what he does best. I think part of the problem has always been some of these guys think they have to be something different. I think he needs somebody to take the pressure off of him, right? Yeah. Like Chicago at this point... There's, he's a number he's five starter. He's not nice. Yeah, he's been there for a while. It's starting to age out. Like, send him to Houston. Like, send him to Houston. Put him in something competitive. He's only thirty-two, uh, so he, he definitely has uh, uh, some time here with it. But he needs to go. Give him the Charlie Morton team. career. Send him to Houston. Yep. Let them revitalize his career. There you go. We'll uh, see. San Francisco. San Francisco. We'll get to them. Uh, Cincinnati. So there was plenty of options here. As we know, they have played. Actually, they just beat the Pirates two out of three. But they have played. Historically bad, if we as we said last week. So I, but there's a there's an obvious one here, and it's Joey Votto, right? He's well aware of how bad he's been. He's been having fun on it with Twitter as people have been tweeting out different articles about it. And he says, you know, just wait, I'm coming back. He's got, I believe he's got, in the words of Blake Snell, the Rona right now. And but uh, he's is he really ready to go on a roll? Like he thinks it's bad. Four runs, no home runs. I think he has one double. That's it for extra base hits. Three ribbies, a 122 batting average, a 20 OPS plus. Let me to repeat that. 20. That's real bad. That's almost as bad as a 35 WRC plus. <laughs> uh, or how about, how about power of .014? Woo! Uh, so, Here's uh, my concern with him. There's yeah. so much higher. Like If there's one thing Joey Votto doesn't do, it's strikeout. 
And this one is so much higher than ever. 32% of the time he's striking out. That's Joey Gallo. Like, that's Tyler O'Neill, but that's not Joey Votto. Last year, he had his career worst, and you'll remember he had this amazing reconnaissance year where he jumps to 36, 37 home runs, 100 RBIs, and he struck out. They're like, oh, well, his strikeout rate's climbing because he's selling off for power. He struck out 23% of the time. He is 10% worse than this, and the walks aren't even there. This is this is scary-looking Joey Votto right here. There's there's two ways of looking at this. One, another thing that you tend to look at for players, especially older within it, what's the three-year trend? And if you see three years going in the wrong direction each year, that, that gets you concerned. Uh, you went from 19.3% uh, strikeout rate to 23.8 to 32.2. That gets you nervous. Uh, but the theory that I'm buying, a guy like this, again, he is one of the best pure hitters, uh, I'll say one of the most underrated pure hitters of our generation. Uh, he he understands the full art of, hit, of, of hitting. If I would want to have a conversation with someone who's in baseball right now, on everything that's involved with hitting, whatever's involved with it, what you're looking at, the mindset, what pitchers are throwing at you, how to plan for it, prepare for it. He's the guy I'd want to have a conversation with about hitting. He knows more than, uh, he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if again, it wasn't fi- him, fi- I would have absolutely no feelings about this. But Correct. all these things you're saying, absolutely true, right? He's revitalized himself multiple times. And what I'm seeing with the 32%, what I'm buying right now with that strikeout rate is you have a guy that's gotten frustrated early on, and so he's hacking away more than that is uncharacteristic to him. Uh, especially when there's been injury issues, things to boot. He, and the power is not going to stay at that level. His, his uh, BABIP was 287 last year. It's 200 right now. I, I don't know uh, if he can approach uh, some certain numbers uh, within, uh, but he has been in the... Anywhere from the 220 to 260 batting range in the last like three years of his career, will I, he be somewhere in that area? Yes, I, I, he's not a pure 300 hitter anymore. You're seeing that uh, him aging, uh-huh. at least a little bit there within it. The walks are going to be there uh, even now. Is uh, .122 batting average, 278 is he on base? That's that's a significant jump up for the for that. It's the power that isn't there yet. I'm, I'm waiting. I think he can still have a, is he a two, uh, 225 to 250 hitter uh, that can still uh, get that uh, at least up to a 200 ISO and get you about 25, uh, 25 home runs? I could see that. Okay, well, let's make the comparison because these two are the ones I'm lumping together because I got the most concerns with them. From this point forward, Nelson Cruz or Joey Votto? Votto. Joey Votto? Because I'm going Nelson I, Cruz still. I, I, don't even, I don't even question it for me okay. on that one. So we'll see which one's right okay. on that one. Okay. Well, so we will see because I, I have more concerns about Joey Votto just because I just think he's very disinterested right now too. That, I agree. And I think that's also – I think has that attributed to some of the, the issues that are there? Yeah, I see that. Uh, but – there's massive pride. He's a professional. He's, he's done. a professional. I, I mean, just in terms of like, is this how he's going to want to go out or within this? If ultimately, even self is going to want to say, I want to have my stats better than this. Even if he's been disinterested initially, I think you will see that change. We'll track it. Nelson Cruz versus Joey Vidal from here on out. We got one more division, the NL West. Let's do it. The Every team in the NL West is above 500. Even the Arizona Diamondbacks right now are above 500. Did you know that? They're on a hot streak. I did not know that. Every team in the NL West, above 500. But there's one team that's clearly still better than everybody else. But they actually have some cold players, which is kind of shocking. And they're Max all Muncy. on my fantasy team. <laughs> I have plenty of Max Muncy, too. I see you didn't trade him to me. But that's okay. 
Max Muncy, I'm buying him still. Max Muncy is not actually the one I have because I have less concerns about him. The one that is concerning is once again the old guy on a team this good. It's hard to believe there are multiple slow starters, but Justin Turner's really cold right now. Nine runs scored, one home run, thirteen RBIs, a one seventy four batting average, and a thirty nine OPS plus. Another guy, highest strikeout rate of his career, K percentage of his career, but also the lowest BABIP of his career. So it's kind of working against each other. One, you don't want to see the low K rate, but you don't mind the low BABIP. That should say it should get better, but the K rate says it gets worse. You go to the stat caps page, and it looks like what you'd expect for a guy with a 39 OPS plus. What really strikes out, what really stands out to me is, in past years, Justin Turner destroyed off-speed pitches and breaking balls, and it's just not happening this year. He's routinely getting beat on them. He's batting 125 against off-speed and 135 against breaking balls. You know, once again, anybody who's 37 years old, slight chinks in the armor. It doesn't take a whole lot, and he's not there. What's encouraging is they just keep playing him every day because he's Justin Turner, and he's in his own way a Dodgers legend, which is saying something because they have you know, our histories of legends on this team. But I have concerns. It's a different – it's not as bad as Joey Votto or Nelson Cruz, but I do have concerns that it's – I think he's not going to be the, obviously he will not be able to get the average back to the 300 unless he just goes on an absolute tear, but can he still get it back to 260? Even that's going to take some work at this point. Yeah, there's, there are concerns with his, uh, his numbers. He's number one to me again is the, the walk percentage. Uh, he has been at, at 10% uh, or average of 10% uh, for the last five seasons. He's at 6.9 right now. His strikeout rate, again, not significant. He's not over 20%, but he's hovering. He's 19.6%, but he's never been around that in almost 10 seasons. Uh, so there's concerns there. His ISO, 0.76, it's the lowest that's been his entire career. BABIP was 292 last year. It was 203. It's 203 this year. So, like, okay, some of that should come up, uh, but... The question is now how much. That's that's what we're getting to with some of these older guys. You expect them to rebound at least some. How much is enough? Uh, and on a team that platoons big time, I have not looked to see who can handle third uh, and, and a platoon role. They, he might be benefit from that, uh, but also DH is more with that. I, I mean, I... He's if, not going to get if this is where he's at come the first half of the year if this extends too much longer he will lose playing time. To some extent, yes, but they have so many other players that I think that they will they will be very patient with him too. Like he's yes, if just because the fact that they don't need him to win as much as I think they he they can be more patient with him than others. Now, I, I think it'll be more subtle with yeah. him because again, you have you have a legend on the team uh, and you do that by you rest him versus hard righties. Uh, and it's, it's called the veteran rest days. Like we're saving up for October. That's how they'll sell it to him and to the team. But I guarantee you, that's because they are cutting out some of that playing time. And he's still like, what do you want to see from him? Is enough confidence in what he does? He is a lefty masher, especially in the postseason. What do you want him to do? That's the role you want for him. You don't need on on, on the on the on this team. You don't need him to be a full time every everyday player. So when. So when Muncy starts getting healthier, I think they move him more off the H. Muncy probably slides into second, which pushes Gavin Lux, who's played pretty good. He can He's played the outfield. You just move him into one of the outfield spots, and you slide Chris Taylor over to third, who's played there, right? They have That's there the thing that go. this team has that nobody talks about is that all their players, except for like three, can Position play so flexible. many players, can play so many positions. 
And then, you know, he starts to rest more. He plays more DH. You slide in Edwin Rios. They still have Zach McKinstry. And, you know, those guys might not sound like much, but a platoon is possible. I said Hanser Alberto crushes lefties too. So, you know, he can DH with Gavin Lux and it'll be fine. The Dodgers are going to be just fine. As far as Justin Turner goes, he's not washed. I'm not ready to say like he's done, but it once again, it's, it's starting at least. For the, and when it comes to the Dodgers, uh, has, does he have a chance to still play a major role in October? Again, at platoon where they maximize his strengths at his age? Yes. Uh, do I want to face him versus lefties in October? No. Uh, uh, from a fantasy standpoint, am I, I, am I buying him? him? I'm dropping him. I dropped him for somebody cut Luis Urias. I dropped Justin Turner for Luis Urias at this point, just this morning, actually, in waivers. So we move to the second place, San Diego Padres. There's only one. There's only one option here for the incredible start, and it could be Manny Machado. But I expect Manny Machado to be great, and I don't have nearly as high of expectations for Eric Hosmer. But Eric Hosmer, eleven runs, three homers, eighteen RBIs, three fifty-one batting average, with a one eighty-eight OPS plus. So the career high walk percentage—that's what you like to see. The career low K percentage—that's what you like to see. Those are big drivers to the start, but so is the currently just shy of 400 batting average on balls in play. Uh, that's that's going to go down. He's someone who's always consistently underperformed his stat cast data because he pounds the ball into the ground with like awful launch angles, and it's actually worse than ever. He's hitting the ball on the ground 58% of the time, so that's how you get one of those ridiculously high babips. He doesn't strike out ever. He's never been a big strikeout guy, and it's lower than ever, but when you're only hitting the ball near 6% of the time, like that's his fly ball rate. The, the home runs are never going, he's going to hit 12 home runs. Like 15 home runs is his cap because of that. Now, does he hit the ball line drives? Yeah, he's always done that. Will he hit 350? No, it'll drop. But, you know, could he still hit 290 this year and with and do exactly what? He's always kind of weird because he's so, he's paid so much that they've tried to get rid of him for years, right? They have literally said, we'll give you a prospect to take him off our hands. But he's, good he's just not what they paid for he's not Manny Machado he's not Fernando Tatis who they also pay ridiculous amounts of money to and he's not that player he's good at what he does I think that's a, a, so again if you like what uh, what he does like that's it right there he's good at what he does uh what year did we say uh is that uh, that that peak year I have a 28 yeah 27 28 uh so his highest BABIP that he's had for a season is 351 he runs high babips, so he's had a three fifty one season. He's the he's not you know he's not Miguel Cabrera, but we've talked like there's two ways you run a high babip. One, you're extremely fast, Jazz Chisholm style. Two, you hit the ball on a line drive constantly. Freddie Freeman, peak Miguel Cabrera. Like Eric Hosmer isn't that, but he he's a line drive hitter. That's what he does. So he's had a three fifty one season, age twenty seven. He ended with a three eighteen average, three eighty five on base percentage, four ninety eight slugging. Uh and the high average is what what brings it up. Uh, then you have uh, he's had two seasons of like three thirty five, three thirty six. Both of those two ninety seven or three oh two batting average, three fifty three, three sixty three on base percentage, four forty eight slug, four fifty nine slug. So when he's running this way at Babbitt, it's going to come down, but it's not going to come down that much. And you have three other seasons when he's run on more of a higher a Babbitt when that's been going to know what to expect from him. Uh, so, no, if you're expecting to get uh, 25, 30 homers out of him, that's not happening. Uh, he's, had, I mean, he's had a couple of 25 homer seasons, to be, to be fair, uh, but high teens 
Uh, that's where he's at. Right, right at about uh, like nineteen twenty, uh, he can get you get you there within it. Uh, if you need uh, contact skills, uh, if you need uh, again the line drive, to me, like I don't know who they have in that spot if he's been there, but that's a number two hitter. Uh, because if you want someone with speed above, he's got the contact rate. Uh, that has a chance to move within. I mean, you, there's some other spots in the lineup you could argue for as well, but I like that one. Uh, he's batting fourth, according to what are we at? Roster resource has Cronenworth, Profar, Machado, Hosmer. That's even old school uh, things. Or what? An old school cleanup hitter is someone with with, with good contact skills that can drive him in. Remember, they wanted they went back to the old school. They didn't like Jace Tingler. Let's yeah, get some old guys some, in here. Time to bring in Bob Melvin. So there is the, the old school approach uh, with with him right there. We'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, what that means is, if he stays in that spot, uh, do I expect him to have high RBI? Uh, this year, yes, 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 I do. You want to bet behind Manny Machado and eventually Fernando Tatis? Yeah, that's a good spot to be in the line. So if, if he stays at four, uh, you will get contact, you will get uh, doubles, you will get uh, uh, on, you'll get the OBP, and you'll get the uh, uh, the RBIs. Let's yeah, go to that's the, useful. Ooh, sorry, let's go to the third of the NL West teams in California, and that is the San Francisco Giants. And I'm going with the one that you mentioned to me this morning. You brought him up. You sent me a message, Corey. Check up, check up, <laughs> check out. Jacob Junis, so we talked about Alex Cobb coming in. We talked about Carlos Rodon coming in. Guess what? Carlos Rodon, I had expectations. It's better than I thought even, but yeah, he looks great. I could have mentioned him. We could have talked. Alex Cobb has amazing peripheral numbers. It doesn't yeah. necessarily back up by the other stuff. But you, since you mentioned Jacob Junis, here's what I said. Anytime a pitcher goes to San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Miami, Cleveland, or Milwaukee at this point, they need to be looked at, right? Anytime, those are the big five pitching teams. Let me repeat those. San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Miami, Cleveland, or Milwaukee, they seem to know what they're doing with the pitchers right now, and you should pay attention. So I didn't pay attention. To, I paid attention to Alex Cobb. I paid attention to uh, Carlos Rodon, but not really Jacob Junis. And 15 innings, so it's I think it's three starts, or is it two starts and a relief appearance? doesn't matter. 15 innings, 1-0, 120 ERA, .86 whip, 332 ERA+. plus. Look, San Francisco has basically done the thing where they did with Kevin Gaussman. With Kevin Gaussman, it was, hey, Kevin, Hey, Kev, you know what? You have an amazing splitter. Just throw it 50% of the time. So I went and looked at what's what's working here for Junis. And it's, hey, Jacob Junis, you have a really good slider. Throw it 55% of the time after last year throwing it 40% of the time. He throws his fastball last year 34% of the time. He is throwing it 6% of the time. He is literally just going up there chucking sliders up there, which it can work. It's also, what's the word? Very volatile when you don't have that one pitch working for you. That's what I say about Junis. Uh, and uh, that could work as a relief pitcher. It's harder to do as a starter. Because uh, especially when now, if you have one pitch is a fastball, it's a little different. Uh, when, that, when that one pitch is an off speed, because it, it's the law of probability, no matter how good you are at throwing an off speed, eventually the, the cement mixer comes up. That happens more with off speed than it does, and especially sliders uh, more than any other pitch, and then especially for, for fastballs. So with that being the case, you're you're putting yourself. It's it's a bad mix. It's a bad recipe. Uh, that I was more excited until you said those numbers, and now I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, in wait and see mode. Uh, that's that's a harder like again. I, I I'm fine with throwing the fastball less, but if you're only throwing it six percent of the time, that and we'll see. Maybe the, maybe that's not going to stay that way. Maybe it's not that bad. I haven't looked pitch by pitch to see uh, how good or bad that pitch is. When someone uh, tells me that this guy's on, I always, I always check to see, like, what's changed here, right? And so that's his big change. And the one thing he does have going for him is 
he's seeing these guys basically, you know, he's at Kansas City, the Royals. So all these guys out in the NL West, it's They've never really seen the him. first time that they're seeing him, right? Yep. Like generally. So it'll work for at least a while, but if it goes wrong, it could go wrong in a hurry is all I'm saying about Jacob Junis. And yeah, that that's an interesting one overall. That uh, there there needs to be more to the development. I mean, uh, his first start that he had on this uh, on, on Sunday, he had like a thirty five percent like uh, 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 swing uh, swing and miss rate. Like it was it was uh, excellent uh, for that. But if it's if the pitch mix is saying that, then no, I'm not buying that long term. Could it be good for them as far as until De Scalafani gets back? Yeah. Could this be a great fit for San Francisco of just being able to tread through? Certainly. Uh, am I expecting him to pitch big innings uh, in September, October, if that mix stays the same? No, I'm not. At least not as a starter. Okay. Let's go to Colorado. And even though they're playing well, it's hard to pick any of their hitters because you sort of expect their hitters to do better than they like talent-wise should do, it's kind of hard. So I went with like the one starter. If I asked you who's their, who's the ace, you'd say Herman Marquez, right? Everybody says Herman Marquez is the ace, and he's actually probably the worst pitcher on the team right now this year. So he's the one pitcher I had expectations for. 32 innings, 0-3, 647 ERA, 168 whip, 69 ERA plus. He is leading baseball and hits allowed. That's not a stat you like, but 365 Babbitt, that's unlucky now. He's always going to run our higher Babbitt because he plays in Colorado, which although people think it's like this massive hitters park, it's like one of the biggest parks in baseball. That's actually the advantage that the hitters have there is it's absolutely massive. So tons of hits fall in. Strikers are down to the lowest level of his career. Home runs are up to the highest level of his career. Dude, just getting hammered on his fastball. Just absolutely lit up. Four seamer, 404 batting average against. That's bad. You don't want to get hit hard on the fastball. So... Like, as far as Marquez goes, I, he's another one. Just get out of Colorado, and and it's probably better. But it's better than this even in Colorado. It's just not – it's never going to look as good on paper as it possibly could somewhere else. That much is true. Uh, what I will say is bye uh, for him right now uh, because it's uh, – his strikeout rate's down a little bit. The walk rate's not an issue. The homer rate is, has spiked uh, to the highest of his career – the BABIP is the highest of his career. His fastball velocity is not down. He's still throwing 95 miles an hour. Uh, his XFIP is 3.59. That wow. is in line That's with impressive. what it's been for the last four seasons. Buy massively right now. He actually got cut one of the stash. leagues I in, I think. I haven't, I haven't yeah. had him yet, but I, mean, I think I, he got I, dropped in a I mean, league. I, I, I wouldn't be starting him right now, but if you have the room to buy and stash, I, I would do that. Uh, is he going to be a good pitcher for Colorado as far as uh, being a, a positive, back to the ace level that he's been, be the number one guy? I would say second half of the year, I'd be expecting that. What did the half a minute sidebar, what did the Rays trade him for? Do you remember that? Because he was a Ray, right? Yeah, that was one of the ones. They, uh, the Rays don't always win every trade. I know that's a big news uh, alert there. Uh, that was one that they lost. That was a Corey Dickerson trade, if I'm remembering right. Uh, it just took time. And another team, this is why I'm saying, if you have what the Marlins are looking for, uh, trade it. Uh, because, again, you, you'll you find their version of Herman Marquez as that second piece. You'll get a, a more top-line pitcher. You get a guy who, again, who's at their, like, their 15th-ranked pitcher is going to be well in your top 10 overall of any p- prospect that you have. That's what you want to do. Guys that and teams that 
don't have the space anymore on their 40-man to keep all of this talent. Trade for it. Get it. Joe Ryan with the Minnesota Twins. Stuck. Another case of a guy that couldn't fit. He could come up next week. Yeah. So and you, you have those teams that have prospects for days uh, that don't do a lot of trading of their prospects. If you can pry them out of their cold, dead fingers, get them. Good analysis. Last team in the we'll na- go with the colded fingers one is the the best one. <laughs> Last team in the National League West is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like I said, I'm a, little, I'm a bit of a mini hitter heater here, back above 500, and this one's kind of making me look like a fool. I'm on a record, I believe, saying that I thought Zach Allen would be the next pitcher to have like major shoulder surgery and. Last year, the shoulder popped up in spring training. It was shoulder tendonitis or bursitis. And I said, you know, I, I have tons of f- fears about Zach Allen. And I look like an idiot. 28 innings, 2-0, an NL leading .95 ERA, an NL leading .70 whip, an NL leading 417 ERA+. plus. He looks like a stud. Like, he looks like what we saw a couple of years ago when he was fully healthy. So, he hasn't given a home run up yet this year. That'll change, right? His, he actually is striking out less than last year, and the walks are a little less too, so you take the good with the bad. But he's running a 216 BABIP, so that'll rise. right? That will go up, but it's also backed up for the dude is top 5% right now in expected batting average, expected ERA, and expected slugging. So it's not all luck there, and Zach Allen has a high pedigree. Like Zach Allen is a – he was another Marlin pitcher who got traded to the Diamondbacks. He has a pedigree, and – I don't know if I doubted the talent, but I doubted the health. And we're a month in. He looks great. Are 28 Could, innings going to change your opinion on that health? I'm still, like, 130 innings is still, in my mind, his cap. And even that, you know, maybe I look like an idiot all year. I, I've done that before. Like, but I still have a lot of concerns about Zach Allen's health. Corey Kluber has looked amazing when healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, that's also shoulder issues. So pitching shoulders do not get better with age. Let me repeat that. Pitching shoulders do not get better with age. So, yeah, can Zach Gallen have a career career month? Even a career year? Is it possible? Sure. Am I buying that? No, I am not. Uh, he is great when healthy. Some, that shoulder is going to bark or something else is going to come up. Uh, I put the over-under at 100 innings for him, and I'm still uh, buying the under. And that, the, I just don't trust it. I don't see how you I don't can. trust his health. And here's the deal. Like I just said, they're above 500. They're not catching the Dodgers. They're still very much probably going to finish last in this division. Great for them playing good right now. I have, there's no way they're catching the Dodgers. I'd be shocked if they caught the Giants. I'd be shocked if they caught the Padres. Maybe they catch Colorado. And when they're 20 games out of it come August, are they going to push that gallon? I wouldn't like, that's the other thing about his innings. You're not going to push him unless you're st- somehow staying in contention. Highly mm-hmm. unlikely. The only scenario here, and this is for a team that clutches their players, surprisingly, trade him. If he has a great first half, you unload it if you can get something good for it. If someone is seeing the the uh, Cy Young version of him that's there and they want to pay anywhere near that, trade it. Uh, he's not going to, because even at his peak, if he stays going, he's not getting you anywhere. And you say, at least we want to have like competitive players. Okay, then do what Pittsburgh's done. Like you don't need you're wasting good talent that is not going to get you where you want to go. You either spend to add around them, or you trade it until you can get a better group of prospects to come up as a nucleus. You have no nucleus. You're not spending money. You're rolling out Madison Bumgarner every five days. (laughs) You stop denying who you are. 
because all you're doing is wasting good talent and you're not going anywhere. I Yes, they are. That is a good... The Diamondbacks are a team that... I, they're just kind they of need a stuck. new GM. Yes, they are. NL teams are done. Next week, Next we'll week. Talk, uh, talk AL, walk through the same way of what we're uh, liking within that. Kind of a, a two weeks out, I think that's when we'll... Uh, uh, you smell that? That's the hot stove heating up. <laughs> uh, we'll give an early season look at uh, who can be on that uh, that that trade list. Who's going to be the uh, the uh, player that you're eyeing to fix your offense, to fix your rotation, to, to cement your bullpen? Uh, we're going to take a look at early season studs uh, that could be on that trade block. I think this year is looking more to be haves and have-nots than in quite a while. Maybe that changes, but right now that's what we're seeing, which means there is very obvious choices already for who should be on that uh, uh, that trade list. Mm-hmm. I think we, because of that, I think we could have some earlier trades uh, than expected. So we'll uh, we'll jump into that in two weeks as well. Fun times. With that, have a great uh, rest of your day. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.